Hello, I'm Dana Rizzo, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is The New World Martyrology by Gretelyn Darkey. It wasn't exactly your typical alien invasion. There were no flashing lights or monsters with gooey tentacles, no laser beams or devastating weapons, no flying saucers or little green men. There weren't even any casualties, except for the man they accidentally landed the ship on top of. But he was cleaned up long before anyone realized what had happened. Because, let's be honest, if an alien race is smart enough to make it to our planet undetected, they certainly would have a plan for what to do with us when they got here. Our great-grandparents left some descriptions of what it was like the day it happened. The most famous and probably most reliable is In the Last Human Day by Madison Baker. It was early afternoon, she writes, when the sky suddenly went dark. I don't think I was frightened. I didn't have time to be. There was an overwhelming smell of crushed tulip stems. And then the darkness settled in, and I dreamed of white fireworks and fresh peaches. Most people awoke with a taste of new-cut grass in their mouths and a slight headache, but they soon found out that a headache was the least of their worries. When my great-grandparents, and yours, opened their eyes for the first time after the great sleep, they found themselves in the unrelenting whiteness of hospital wards. But they weren't really hospital wards, of course. They were sleeper care centers, large hospital-like buildings fully equipped with feeding tubes and automatic exercise machines. This is where they kept us until they were ready to wake us up. It was very efficient, really. The aliens were smarter than anyone could have imagined. They didn't bother with conquest. They didn't waste resources fighting. They didn't devastate the planet with the destruction of war and species extermination. They were colonists. They were intelligent. They knew their business. They had engineered it all so that the entire human race had slept through the alien invasion. Nothing could have been more brilliant for them and more deadly for human culture. German waited for Cecily outside the train station. The sun shone down on the polished tracks and reflected on his dark sunglasses. German smiled and shook his head. Train travel. It was so old-fashioned. But Cecily liked it. In fact, so many people liked it that it had hung on after the Benefactor's Council had liquidated the other primitive transportation devices. They had updated the train's method of propulsion, of course. Steam and electricity paled in comparison with pressure and magnetic energy, which sucked trains from one end of the track to the other at extraordinary rates of speed. It was very efficient, just like everything else the Benefactor's did. German spread his fingers and stretched his back against the static-resistant polymatter bench. His sandals lay to either side of his bare feet, which he brushed swiftly back and forth over the stubbly grass. He loved grass. It was something his parents had taught him to be grateful for. It was something that the benefactors tended to take for granted. Cecily herself wore shoes almost all the time. German would never fully understand Cecily, but he was more or less comfortable with that fact. German was a human, but Cecily was the prettiest benefactor he had ever seen. 
he intended to mate with her if she would let him. Some benefactors did take on human consorts, although humans could never equal the benefactors in social prowess. For example, Cecily was a lawyer, destined for the high council. German would never be anything more than a groundskeeper. Still, he liked working outdoors. And if he wanted to be with Cecily, it didn't really matter what he did. As a benefactor, she would always outrank him. The train pulled into the station with a hiss like a giant slow-motion sneeze. The cars jerked slightly as the brakes locked. Then the side doors slid open and Cecily stepped onto the platform. German stood up and walked to meet her. Her hair was blown about in powder-blue tangles. He loved Cecily's hair. It was fun to touch and fun to watch. He took her brown suitcase and kissed her cheek. Hello, Cecily, he said. She was practical, like all her race, and didn't care for pet names. Hello, German, she said. She looked up at him, but didn't smile. That was troublesome. They hadn't seen each other in over a month. She should be thrilled to be with him again. German wanted to say something, but Cecily walked quickly ahead of him and out of the station to where his small impenetra was parked by the curb. Without another word, she pressed the open button on the passenger side and got in. German threw her brown suitcase into the back of the impenetra and folded his tall frame into the driver's seat. He reached for her hand across the space between them, but Cecily pulled away. "'Are you all right?' he asked. "'I believe so,' she replied. "'We'll talk at your mum's place.' It was not a question. German nodded and pulled out onto the road. From time to time as they drove, German would glance at Cecily out of the corner of his eye. She was so beautiful, like all the benefactors. But also, like the rest of her race, she was so impossible to read. He had known Cecily for almost three years now. Why couldn't he understand her yet? Yes, she was naturally less emotive than a human, but German had no problem understanding his benefactor co-workers. It was only Cecily's mind that he could never really penetrate. A few farms flashed by. A human man in overalls was harvesting his chickens, picking them off the trees one by one. The day was cool for summer, maybe 70 degrees. It was easier to be active in this kind of weather. The flies certainly knew it as they zipped in and out of the open windows. German glanced over at his passenger again. Cecily sat quietly looking out at the passing fields with one hand resting on the edge of the vehicle's open window. She didn't look troubled, just thoughtful and a little tired. She pursed her lips ever so slightly, but she seemed relaxed. German sighed and looked forward. At least he knew she would tell him about it, whatever it was. When she said she would do something, she always did it. After about an hour's drive, German pulled the impenetra up to the curb in front of a small dwelling, set a little back from the road. "'Where are we?' Cecily asked. "'I thought we were going back to your mum's place.' German grinned at her. "'Come on,' he said. "'I want to show you something.' He opened the driver's side door and jumped out, pressing the button that opened her door as he did. Cecily stepped out and walked around the front of the vehicle to join him. "'What is it?' she asked. German didn't answer. He ran back to her and pulled her by the hand up onto the porch, unlocking the front door with a shiny new key card. Still grinning, he led her inside. 
The front door opened into a small vestibule with an old-fashioned staircase leading up to the second floor. Off to the right, Cecily could see a sitting room furnished with an oversized sofa and chairs. Come see the kitchen, German gushed, pulling her through the passage by the stairs to the back of the house. German, she faltered. Is this your house? No, he said laughing. It's our house. Cecily swallowed. German, she said with her throat dry and hoarse. I need to tell you something. What is it? He turned to face her, taking both her hands in his. When I was in the mountains, she said, with my aunt? Yes. Well, I met some people. There was a pause as the smile slid off German's face. Another man? he asked. No. Well, yes, but not like that. She sighed and licked her lips. German, I can't live here with you. Why not? His eyes showed genuine concern. What's wrong with me? No, no, she said. It's not that. I just realized that I'm... that we... that all of us... that we're born for greater things. What do you mean? She leaned back against the marble countertop and gently took her hands out of his... I've taken a vow, she whispered. German stared at her. A vow, he asked. You don't mean, you can't mean, you've joined? Yes, she said. I have. Cecily, you know that's illegal. You know those Christians are outlaws. Please don't call them those Christians, she said, her voice gaining confidence. I'm one of them now. No, you're not. He was obviously trying not to be angry. You're just confused. They fed you herbs or something. You're confused and you don't know what you're saying. But I do know what I'm saying. I chose it with my eyes open. But Cecily, why? If anyone finds out, you'll be executed. Why would you spoil a promising life with me, a career in the government, a bright future for, for this, this superstitious cult? It's not a superstitious cult, German. I believe that it's real. I think the benefactors were wrong for rejecting it, and even more wrong for suppressing it. I know that the doctrine of love is irrational, German, but it's true. I know it is. I... German choked back a sob. I don't know what to say. The silence lay between them for a moment. The only sounds, their ragged breathing. Then Cecily looked straight at him. Join me, she urged, stepping forward. He recoiled. And be tried? Sentenced? Lethally injected? You want me to die for you? Not for me, German. For... for him. Who? For... the words stuck in her throat. For God. Cecily, there is no God. But there is, German, I know that there is. German looked away from her out of the window. I'm going to have to call the authorities, he said evenly. If you think you have to, she replied. I'll be implicated if I don't. When they catch you, they'll find out that I knew and they'll haul me in, too. I see. He stepped toward her, 
Cecily, please reconsider. I can't, German. I've never been any good at ignoring evidence. That's what's always made me a good lawyer. Now it's going to make me a good Christian. German shuddered at the word. He reached into his pocket and pulled out his cell phone. I'm going to call them, he said. Then he reached into his other pocket and pulled out his car key. Please, take the impenetra, he said. You will at least have a head start. You can go as far as you can. Maybe the, the Christians can help you. Cecily reached across the counter and closed her hand over the key. Thank you, she murmured. German still held the phone, but he hadn't dialed yet. Are you sure, Cecily? he whispered. If you do this, you can't turn back. Cecily smiled. I'm eternally sure, she said. German swallowed hard. Then he nodded. Go, he said. She gave him one last look. He dialed the phone and held it to his ear. As she turned and ran out of the house, she heard him giving the report. She crossed herself the way the priest had taught her and said a prayer for German's soul. You just listened to The New World Martyrology by Gretelyn Darkey, read to you by your door-to-door -door storyteller, Dana Rizzo. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.